Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Halitech Hall. This is your co-host, Michael Halitech, going solo again this weekend. Uh, my partner, Aaron Torricelli, uh, has a sick child at home and couldn't make the recording today. So we're going to pow power on without my friend and co-host and producer, Double A, and we'll get right into it. So welcome to the latest edition of Halitech Hall couple of things that are going on right now uh, we're going to talk about and we're also going to talk about a little bit of Bears history. We're going to go over the career of the famous Bronco Nagurski, uh, legendary uh, out of the University of Minnesota. Interesting on how he got recruited to the, uh, to the Golden Gophers. Uh, he also ended up in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame as well. Later in the show, our guest, one of our first guests that ever came on Halitech Hall, Wanda Weedman from Our Turf Football, is going to be joining us later on. And we're going to talk a little bit about who we think the XFL is, uh, what, what athletes, uh, what position players have made a mark for themselves and might be a target for maybe not only the Bears, but maybe an NFL roster somewhere. There's been a couple of of uh, nice performances so far. And we're also going to look at uh, the Combine, which will be coming up next week. And we're going to take a look at some, uh, some players that Wanda thinks the Bears might have a target on. But uh, just before we went to recording, the Bears announced, or actually Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet on Twitter has reported that the Bears have agreed to signing a tight end, tight end Demetrius Harris, who played last year with Cleveland, but Nagy knows him very well as he was with Kansas City previous to that. Six foot seven, 230 pound athletic former basketball player, and he is now going to be a bear come the middle of, of March when free agency opens, when the new league season begins. Uh, he's versatile, he, he plays primarily the white position, which is the tight end in-line spot. Uh, he has lined up in the slot. He's lined up outside. He has uh, lined up on special teams. Uh, the Browns signed Harris to a two-year, $6 million deal last offseason, but cut him earlier this week, and the Bears didn't waste any time by agreeing to terms with Demetrius Harris. So that uh, hopefully will solve the in-line blocking tight end position, and hopefully Trey Brown will come back 
uh, to join us uh, at full speed and be the pass-catching tight end that he was in 2018. The second thing that just came down the pike is the NFL is looking to expand playoffs to 14 teams up from the 12 that make the, the uh, postseason currently. That's something that probably won't happen until the uh, new CBA comes out here in the next, uh, next few weeks or months. But it's interesting that they're going to be going to that. Uh, it's, right now, as you know, there's four divisions. There's two playoff teams. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to, uh, to fit this in. Uh, so uh, we'll look forward to seeing that as, as time moves on. Every episode, or at least almost every episode, we try to go over Bears history in Halitech Hall. It's one of the niches of our podcast. We, we don't see a lot of podcasters going through the history. It's all current, and it's all current Bears-related. Uh, we are going to start off this edition of Bears history with, with Hall of Famers, who, or and or who have had their numbers retired. We're going to start with the the uh, retired numbers in Bears history, and we're going to start right at the top, go through them numerically uh, each week. And uh, we're going to start, of course, with number three. Number three is none other than Bronco Nagurski. Uh, Bronco Nagurski was born in 1908 uh, in Canada, uh, and when he was a young lad, uh, his family moved to International Falls, Minnesota. He became a standout player in Minnesota, playing both tackle on defense and fullback on offense. And, uh, and then he had his, uh, an All-American Pro Bowl career with the Chicago Bears, which began in 1930. He left the team to, uh, to join uh, pro wrestling uh, he ended his career with the Bears in 37, came back in 43, uh, and he was actually one of the very first inaugural members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, joining uh, George Hallis and a couple of others. Uh, as I mentioned before, he was born in, in, in Canada, Rainy River, Ontario. Uh, his family had immigrated to to Canada, they they moved uh, from their Canadian home uh, to uh, International Falls. Uh, when when he was growing up, Bronco was working on the, his parents' farm in the sawmill. He de delivered groceries for his father's grocery store into his teens. Uh, he also did some work at nearby timbering operations. So, uh, you know. He grew into a, a powerfully muscular six-foot uh, young man, and he was discovered by the University of Minnesota head coach uh, Clarence Spears. Clarence Spears had drove up from Minneapolis uh, to International Falls to scout another player, but on the outside of town, he he was uh, happened to come across Bronco Nagurski. He was out in the field plowing without any assistance from, uh, you know, usually plowshares are being dragged along by, uh, by a horse or a burrow. And he's out there plowing the field with a plowshare by himself. 
with no assistance. So legend had it that Spears asked directions and Bronco literally lifted the plow and used it to point in the direction of where he needed to go. So Coach, uh, Coach Spears uh, was impressed with his strength and literally signed him right there on the spot. Uh, he did admit later on that he concocted the story about the plowshare on his long drive back to the university in Minneapolis. But legend aside, on the first day of practice, uh, Spears decided to test out the Nagurski's strength in what was called the nutcracker drill. Uh, when a defensive player has to take on two blockers and try to, to tackle a ball carrier following the, the, black, the, the blockers. On the first drill, uh, all, ten, all Big Ten linemen, Herb Jostling, charged at Bronco, promptly split the, bro the blockers and drove the fullback into a blocking dummy. The Spears sent in another set of three players, blew his whistle, and Bronco did the same thing. Then he said in a third party, and Bronco again did the same thing. He broke right through both blockers and just destroyed the ball carrier. Uh, you know, he went on to become a standout playing both tackle on defense and fullback on offense from 1927 to 29. Uh, he posted 737 yards rushing. He was a consensus All-American at fullback uh, despite playing fewer games at the position. But he also made some All-American teams at tackle. The preeminent sports writer of the day, and we've all heard some of his legendary, uh, or at least read them, and I'm sure we've heard them on uh, NFL films, Grantland Rice. Grantland Rice had some amazing things to say about Bronco Nagurski. And I quote, who would you pick to win a football game? 11 Jim Thorpes, 11 Glenn Davises, 11 Red Granges, or 11 Bronco Nagurskis? The 11 Nagurskis would be a mop-up. It would be something close to murder and a massacre, for the Bronco could star at any position on the field with 216 pounds of authority to back him up. Just, what, a, what writing. It's amazing that... Uh, uh, he was held in such high regard by such a, a famous writer. Uh, his best college football game, he actually was wearing a corset to protect a cracked vertebra. Uh, he, he, recovered, he, he was playing against the Wisconsin Badgers. He recovered a Badger fumble deep in their territory. He, they ran the ball 16 straight times. And Dagurski was the running back to score the, the go-ahead touchdown. And then later in the same game, he intercepted a pass to seal the victory for the, for the Minnesota Gophers. Uh, during his three varsity seasons at Minnesota, the Gophers went 18-4-2 and, and won the Big Ten Conference Championship in 1927. And Red Grange, I'm sorry, and Bronco Nagurski was inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1951. Nagurski turned professional and, and signed with the Chicago Bears. There was no draft back in those days. He signed and he played with the Bears for eight seasons from 1930 to 1937. He was six foot two, 235 pounds. 
in his day, he was a dominant force, uh, helping the Bears win several division titles and two NFL championships. He ended his, his eight-year stint with 3,900 yards on 856 attempts. He actually completed 36 of 80 passes, and he scored a total of 236 points. Nagurski, at the time when he got his first championship ring, had a, a NFL largest recorded ring size at 19 and a half. To give that contrast, I wear a 10 and a half. And, and, I mean, his fingers are almost twice the size of mine. He wore a size 8 helmet. I'm a size 7 and a quarter uh, when it comes to, to wearing hats. He was probably the largest running back of his time, but he was the, the precursor to guys that a little bit more down the line, Marion Motley and, of course, uh, the great Jim Brown. Uh, he, he was often uh, seen dragging tacklers with him in a time where, where players were expected to, uh, to play both sides of the ball. He was also that standout defensive lineman, as, as, as I was talking about. Uh, he would sometimes be put in as an offensive tackle as well. In 1984, in a 1984 interview with Sports Illustrated writer uh, Paul Zimmerman, uh, when asked what position he would play if he were coming up in the present day, he said, I'd probably play linebacker today. I wouldn't be carrying the ball 30 or 40, 35 times a game. Uh, a time-honored story about Nagurski is, is scoring on a gallop he made against the Washington Redskins, knocking two linebackers in opposite directions, stomping on a defensive back and crushing a safety, then bouncing off the goalposts, and then uh, he ran headfirst into the Wrigley Field left field brick wall. And we came back to the huddle for the extra point. He reportedly said, boy, that last guy hit me pretty hard. We talked about that when we were going over Nagurski earlier uh, in, a, in an earlier podcast with Aaron. The guy was just absolutely just an amazing athletic talent. Um, legend has it that once in a game against the Green Bay Packers, uh, one of the uh, uh, Packer players said he, he promised not to block the kick, and he was actually talking to Red Grange. Uh, Green Bay's player was Carl Hubbard. He says, just let me through. I won't block the kick, but I want to I get a shot at Nagurski. So Grange happily obliged. He didn't have to block Hubbard for once. Then Cal tore through the line, slammed into Nagurski, and bounced off, rising slowly, turned to Red Grange and said, Hey, Red, don't do me any more favors. At the end of the 32 season, the Bears and the, the Portsmouth Spartans were tied uh, with the best regular season record. To determine the champion, the, the league decided to hold its very first playoff game. Because of the cold weather, the game was held indoors at Chicago Stadium, uh, which was forced uh, it to, they had to use some temporary rule changes. The field was narrower, the field was shorter. Uh, Chicago won nine to nothing. Um, and in the fourth quarter, the Bears scored on a, what at that time was a controversial touchdown because the passing rules were a little bit different. Um, he, he took a handoff from the Bears quarterback. He pulled up and threw to Red Grange in the end zone for the score. 
But the Spartans argued that Nagurski did not drop back. Back in those days, you had to drop back at least five yards from the line of scrimmage to throw a forward pass. But uh, the, uh, the challenge was denied, and the Bears ended up winning the game 19-19, uh, I'm sorry, 9-0. Uh, 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 that forced another rule change going into the following year. The playoffs were so popular that the league reorganized into two divisions for the 1933 season with the winners advancing to a championship game. Uh, posts were moved forward to the goal line. Every play started from between hash marks. Hash marks were devised uh, for that game because it was too close to the, to the boards, the, the hockey boards. So they, they had to move the, give the ball in to closer to the middle of field. So they designed these hash marks uh, that we still see today, uh, both in college and in pro sports. Uh, and they moved the, 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 the goal posts all the way up to the goal line. Uh, later on in the, the late 60s, they moved the, the goal posts back to the end line uh, for safety concerns. After the 1937, uh, Nagurski retired, but he came back in 1993 because the Bears had lost so many players because they enlisted and went on to, uh, to fight in World War II. He came back in re out of retirement. He played tackle. He remained at that position until he returned to fullback against the Chicago Cardinals who the Bears needed to defeat to advance to the 1943 championship game. Nagurski scored a touchdown in the game, and the Bears ended up winning 35-24, to and they went on to win the, the 43 title, beating Washington 41-21. to Nagurski also scored a three-yard touchdown in the second quarter in that championship game. He retired again after the 43 season and became the backfield coach for the UCLA Bruins, but then he, he re retired after one year uh, to return to farming, and then two years later he returned to football for a brief time as general manager uh, of a little place, a little team called the, the Sylvan Park Dead Cherokees, a semi-pro team in, in Tennessee. Uh, during his football career, though, he, he built a second athletic career as a professional wrestler, and he became a, a pretty big box office attraction. Uh, uh, Tony Stector, uh, brother of former world champion Joe Stector, introduced Nagurski to wrestling in 33 and became his manager. Nagurski defeated Tag Taggerson in his ring debut, Hitting his peak in the late 30s, he won a limited version of the World Championships by defeating uh, Dean Delton on in June 29th and 37, but he finally achieved full recognition in his first National Wrestling Association world title by defeating uh, Lou Thies on June 23rd of 39. Uh, he lost the title to Ray Steele in, in March 7th of 1940, and then he beat... Steel again in 41, but then lost it uh, three months later to Zandor Zabo on June of 41. Uh, Nagurski actually continued to wrestle until 1960. 
That's hard to believe. Uh, when you think back, he was 52 years old and still active in professional wrestling. Uh, while he was a player for, at, uh, for the Bears, three NFL championships in 1932, 1933, and then again in 1943. He was four-time first-team All-Pro, 32, 33, 34, and 36. He was a three-time second-team All-Pro in 1930, 31, and 37. He led the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 1932. He was the NFL 75th anniversary uh, all-time team member. He was an all-decade team member of the uh, 1930s. Uh, the Bears retired, of course, his, his jersey number three. He was a consensus All-American in Minnesota in 1929. And the Minnesota Golden Gophers also retired his jersey, which was uh, number 72. He ended up with 2,778 yards rushing and a 4.4 yards per clip, scored 25 touchdowns for the Bears in what was an, an absolute illustrious career. Uh, the, on the next episode of Halitech Hall, we're going to go to number five, George McAfee. George McAfee still holds an NFL record to this day, but we won't spoil it. You have to come back and listen to our next show to learn all about uh, one of the greatest Bears players to ever wear a uniform that probably many of the younger generation know nothing about, and that is uh, George McAfee. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to uh, hear from our sponsor, TickSplits.com, and when we come back... Uh, Wanda Weedman from Arter Football will be joining us, talking XFL football in Combine when we come back. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere thank you ticksplits.com remember to go to ticksplits.com for all your ticket needs whether it's sports concerts ballet vegas music festivals it's every ticket every venue everywhere at ticksplits.com and don't forget to use promo code tailgate that's t-a-i-l-g-a-t-e all caps and you'll save five percent uh thanks to their sponsorship of the Halitech Hall Show. We are bringing back one of the first guests to ever grace us uh, with, a, with a review and, a, and, a, and an interview. Uh, when we first got started with the Halitech Hall Show, uh, she writes for arturffootball.com, uh, and it is our pleasure to reintroduce Wanda Weedman to our show. Wanda, how are you tonight? I'm great, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Before we get started, tell our listeners where we can find Wanda, both uh, at you, the, on, the, uh, on your website and your Twitter handle and the Twitter handle for, uh, for our turf. Well, you can find uh, most of my articles on Our Turf Football um, 
it's an all-female uh, website where we write all about the NFL, and uh, we're kind of dipping our feet into the XFL. I uh, took a hiatus for a while uh, just to take care of family uh, issues, but I hope to be uh, back in it again. And you can find me on Twitter at Wanda W63. You got to follow Wanda. She's one of the best uh, Bears writers. I don't care what gender you want to talk about. There is no uh, uh, nobody better at writing about the Bears. So Wanda, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for the. Uh, uh, kind words. I appreciate that. Not a problem. We've actually uh, we've had the pleasure of working together on a couple of articles in the past couple of years, and it's just a pleasure to work with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been great because you are the uh, Bears historian that I run to when I have questions uh, and need some uh, good uh, information. Uh, I, I can always count on you for that. Not a problem. Thank you. The check's in the mail. Uh, hey, we uh, just before we we started recording uh, this evening, we're recording Wednesday evening, uh, February 19th for, for a show to probably hit later on on Friday. Uh, but a, a couple of things have happened over the last couple of hours. Uh, number one, the Cleveland Browns cut uh, tight end Demetrius Harris and a couple hours later, he found a home. Tell us where that home is. In Chicago, apparently. Uh, we've got ourselves a, a nice veteran tight end here. So he played with Nagy uh, through uh, at, at Kansas City. He signed last at the beginning of last year. He signed a two-year contract with Cleveland. They just cut him, I believe, earlier today. And uh, Ian Rappaport uh, is already reporting that he's agreed to terms on a one-year contract. Uh, pretty athletic from all, uh, all I can gather. Uh, he plays primarily the H spot, which is the, uh, the spot next to the, the tackle online, but he has lined up outside. He's lined up in the slot. He doesn't catch a lot of passes, but maybe that will change under Nagy's offense. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he, he, I know he contributed uh, in the run and pass games when he was when he was healthy in Cleveland. So uh, I think some of the injuries got him. But if the Bears took him, I think they're looking at him overcoming those injuries. Last uh, I think it was uh, last season he didn't play because of concussion. So you know, time will tell. I'm glad it was a a, a short uh, uh, contract that they had him sign just to see, you know, what happens and what they do. But uh, I wouldn't doubt that the Bears would not still grab a tight end in the draft. I still think they're going to go that route and just have a cushion there. Six foot seven, 230 pound, uh, I believe was, he was a former basketball player right uh, here where I live in Wisconsin at Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Uh, he also comes to the Bears with good special team experience. He's, he, he played uh, 299 special team snaps for the Browns last year, which uh, uh, there were only there were only 59 players in the entire league that played more special team snaps than Harris did for the, the Cleveland Browns. So interesting to see. We'll uh, see where he fits in at six foot seven. Uh, obviously, it's a big target for Trubisky. Yeah. I would think so. And I think that was the same height as Adam Shaheen. Um, but I think uh, he's, he's uh, better 
uh, quality tight end. So I, I think uh, I think that matchup is going to do very well. Speaking of that, do you think he's a replacement for Shaheen? I think so. I I I would really bank on it. Yeah. So with uh, with this guy in the fold, and hopefully Trey Burton comes back from the surgery he had in the offseason on his hip, will alleviate the groin problem. It would be nice to, to get some production out of the tight end spot. We'll talk about the tight end a little bit later in our segment. But uh, this is uh, exciting news, I think, for, for Bears fans. Uh, they're already being a little proactive in free agency, so it's good to see. Yeah. I agree with that. Another story that just broke, and this is more NFL-related than it is Bears-related, but Adam Schefter uh, is on Twitter reporting that uh, the, the, apparently the league and the Players Association is close to ratifying a new CBA. Uh, the proposal is uh, for a couple of changes. One is uh, it was really big, going from a 16 to a 17-game regular season and reducing the preseason to just three games. Uh, and then there's going to be a change in the playoffs. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it looks like the, uh, the, way that the, um, the way that it's structured, hang on, I'm trying to look at my, <laughs> my notes here, but it's kind of frozen. Um, Happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially so, after um, get, playing with an old computer. Exactly. Um, so, anyways, uh, uh, it looks like. Um, uh, I'm sorry here. My, uh, I'm I'm so sorry. Let me let me pitch it for you. Yeah, thank um, you. Trying to grab my notes here. In in the the current playoff system, of course, there's four division winners. There's two wild cards. The top two seeds in the conference get a bye. So you have a wild card round consisting of, of just two games in each conference. That's going to change to three games in each conference. They're going to add one wild card team. Uh, so there's going to be uh, you know, 14 postseason teams in the postseason. Only the top seed gets a bye week, which is, uh, you know, when it comes down to the end of the year and resting players, uh, when that bye week is going to be even more uh, of, a, of an advantage for the top seed advancing in the playoffs. So very interesting things that are coming out. Uh, and like I said, this is, uh, this is good that, that it looks like the, the CBA is... Uh, is going to uh, uh, get ratified here in the next uh, next couple of weeks. And I know One, they've been talking about this for a while because they've been wanting to expand that uh, playoff uh, games. And so I think this is I think this really will help get um, those teams that that you know right there in the cusp and they just needed you know a little bit of push to get into playoffs and to make it fair. So I think you know because if they're if they're good teams and they've got it, they should be able to get into uh, that playoff run and, and play in that wild card without it being just uh, what we saw last season, uh, which you had a really bad um, division and and other teams that had better records and just did not get to to play in the playoffs. 
So if we would have taken this new proposed playoff scenario back into 2019 and had the Bears beat the Rams or the Chargers, they would have been the seventh team. Correct. As, as it stands, uh, last year it would have been the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Rams that would have been the seventh, uh, the seventh team in, in each conference. Um, I am just absolutely baffled about a 17-game regular season. Uh, there's there's talk of one game being a neutral field for every team. There's talk of of having you know you have to alternate each year having eight games at 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 home uh, versus nine games on the road and then switch the following year. Uh, more importantly. How are they going to schedule the games? What's the extra game? Yeah, that that would be uh, interesting to find out what that would be. And I know there are players that were in opposition um, to that 17 games because they were looking at it more of, you know, an unnecessary increase to their own health and and safety. So um, just to see where they fit that in. If they did, are they going to stick in an extra bye week to make that up? It would be interesting to see how that would work. Absolutely. I was an advocate, and I will still be an advocate of an 18-game schedule because it's it's easy to format. You all you have to do is in the current in the current 16-game schedule, you play four games against the AFC for an NFC team. You play home and homes against the three teams in your division. You play all four teams in one other division. And then if you finish third in your division, you play the two third place teams in the other division in the NFC that you're not playing every team. An 18 game schedule, all you would have had to do is is do a one and four and two and three split. So those those division games where you're only playing one team, you'd now play two. And instead of if you were either if you had the first place schedule, you play the number one and number four team, the second and third place teams in those divisions would play second and third in the other two divisions. So with 17 games, how do you break it up? <laughs> I don't know. I so, really don't know. So here's 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 one thought. You play every team in your conference. That's 15 games. You play two games against uh, the AFC for you know for the for the sake of the of the Bears schedule, which means you're only going to play uh, you know once every nine years. You play you'll play the same same two AFC opponents, which is you know that's that's a long time. You know that's those there's careers that. You might see it a completely different team as opposed to one every every four years. It'd be one every eight years. So I, I don't know how else you break it down, Wanda. Yeah, I don't I don't either. And and it would be interesting. If, let's say they decided to do 18 games. Would that mean that they would cut the preseason to just two games? And then just imagine what that would be like for, um, you know, cutting the, the, the roster down. From ninety something players down to you know to fifty three. I think when it comes to the roster, if you have a seventeen games uh, slate, 
you might see an expanded um, practice squad, maybe maybe make that 10 that or 12 sense. players. Yeah. And and then you know, your 53-man roster is your 53-man roster. You all 53 dress for the game for safety reasons. If yeah. somebody goes down an injury, and there has to be free movement between the practice squad and, and the active roster instead of having to cut a guy, put him on waivers, because you can hide them there for if, for if you have a, an injury. If you have a, a spat of injuries in the, in the same game and you've got two offensive linemen go down, you could put them on the practice squad and elevate. Uh, you know, Back in the old days, uh, before you were born, they used to have it. It was called the taxi squad. And I don't think you had to go on waivers to, to be uh, open for any team to uh, – uh, to sign, uh, to move them freely back and forth. I, I don't remember, uh, yeah. but that, that seems to be what I recall. Uh, they used to call it the taxi squad. So uh, a lot of interesting things that uh, we're going to be, you know, a nice thing about the NFL, Wanda, is the season never ends. You know, you, you, go, yeah. right, you go right from the Super Bowl into the combine, uh, and you've got these the free agents, We've already got free agent signings, even though the new league uh, doesn't begin until the middle of March. And then you've got the, the the draft. You've got the schedule coming out the week before the draft, and then after the draft, one week later, you've got uh, you've got rookie camps, and then you've got OTAs, and then you've got summer camp, uh, and then you've got preseason, and we started all over again. You know, come September, so it's just a, a season. You know, it's it's the never-ending story, which is the NFL of, of present day. Speaking of the combine, oh, uh, I love the combine. <laughs> Wanda Wanda has uh, uh, has has her eye on a couple of players, uh, and we talked a little bit about it as we were leading up to to the recording. And uh, so we're going to go through some of these players. And if there's any more that you've added to your list since the last time we talked, Wanda, please feel free to shout. So uh, we're going to start with uh, an edge rusher out of Notre Dame, uh, Khalid uh, Kareem, six foot four, 265 pound edge rusher from the Fighting Irish. Uh, five and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery in 2019. Wanda, why do you think he would make a good bear? You know, I think I think he's got um, some really good power. I think he fits the scheme of the Bears' defense. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge huge Notre Dame fan, so I've watched him play, and he's very quick off his feet. He's got a really good push, and I think off the edge, just uh, just complementing. Um, you know, when, when you've got Akeem Hicks, and then you have uh, Mac, and then have this kid in there. It's, it's a huge powerhouse because we, we just kind of need that balance on the other side. And then it's, it's just going to be a, a, a one-two-three punch instead of just relying on a one-two punch. Interesting addition. He could be a replacement for, uh, for Leonard Floyd, who has turned out to be a huge disappointment. Exactly, exactly. And, I, and that, that's what I'm, I'm looking to see if that's the case, if they're looking for someone like that. Cause he's pretty nicely built. Uh, Khalid's got a really nice big built on him, very similar to um, Mac. And so I, and, and, and uh, I think he's got such a, such a good um, 
first step when he when he gets off. And I think he's just he's just going to put a lot of pressure up front, which is going to put the Bears back at being the number one defense uh, as it should be. Before we go any further uh, on on our list for the the combine, what do you think of all of these rumors that have been out there about the Bears? Uh, shopping 50 deuce. Oh, I think it's ridiculous. They're not, you know, you, you don't go after a player like 52 to just put him on the market the next year. That's ridiculous. You know, he, he's, he's, he had a lot of, um, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of people don't look at the production, but because he was so double teamed and triple teamed, so much last year, he didn't he didn't get to play the way that he normally would. But I, I guarantee you that, and this is the need for that extra edge rusher to take the pressure off of Mac, have the focus somewhere else. Now they have to shift gears, and that'll allow Mac to to be able to come on the other side when you've got uh, another one on the opposite direction. When you sit down and, and compare the body types, uh, Kareem, six foot four, two sixty five. Um, yeah, yeah. Leonard Floyd's only two forty. Yeah. 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 So, you look at him. If you see a picture of him, he's he's pretty he's pretty stocky. So interesting that if we could see him uh, go from the the from Notre Dame to it's a short drive. It's only ninety minutes from uh, from South Bend to Chicago. So uh, it's one uh, one guy to keep our eye on. Uh, the the second the second player you uh, mentioned to me was uh, a safety out of Clemson, uh, six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds. He had four interceptions uh, for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Tanner Muse, tell us about Tanner. Uh, Tanner is a uh, he's a really um, he's a senior. He's he's six two, which is what I was looking for. A really nice height. Uh, in that um, uh, in in that position, and uh, you know he he did I think last year he had uh, a total of like 55 tackles, 37 of them were solo. Uh, he's got a, a really good um, uh, quick start. He's got uh, he had four ints that he he picked up. Uh, so he's um, you know I think he's he's got. What we're looking for back there, we need somebody with a little bit more uh, aggression and height, I think, is a plus. Um, you know, I'm not somebody, and he's 230 pounds, so I didn't want to see anybody that was too lanky. I wanted to see some guy that was going to go out there and, and uh, have some muscle, and, and I, I liked watching him uh, in Clemson and in the, uh, in the championship game. You know, one of the the guys that um, we would have loved to seen in Chicago ended up at Kansas City, uh, the Honey Badger. Uh, you know, and Teron Matthew, um, for all of his uh, stoutness and his tough play at the line of scrimmage, you know, he's only five foot nine, 190 pounds. Where you know this kid is is six two and two thirty. And one of the things that that I missed last year is seeing Eddie Jackson out in the in the secondary, being able to freelance and just be a ball hawk because he was playing too close to the line of scrimmage too many times, and we need to see that kid get back to what he does best, which is 
being that center fielder because uh, he he reads probably he's probably the best safety in the league at reading the quarterback and knowing where that ball is going to go. And it would be great to have this kid fill in uh, and and be that that guy that that comes in and blitzes. Uh, or plays close to the line of scrimmage when you have a safety high because Eddie Jackson was doing, in my opinion, far too much of that last year. Exactly, exactly. We needed, um, you know, especially now that it's become a huge tight end league, we need we need a really good uh, coverage, especially in that position. Absolutely. Uh, one position we haven't covered yet, we're going to do now. And, and uh, of course, that we have been complaining about the offensive line ever since week one against Green Bay. And it, it, it never got better. Absolutely never got, got better. Uh, and there's a, a kid that's coming out a year early out of Georgia. Uh, six foot four, 335 pound Solomon Kinley. Tell us about Solomon. I saw like uh, he reminds me of of um, boxer. He's just he's just really uh, uh, great. He's he's um, he's a power player uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs when he played. He has he's got a really good. Uh, uh, ground where he where he sits really well. One of my favorite things I love to watch about offensive linemen is the way that they sit with their hips and, and, and lay back. That when when a defensive player comes at them, they can shuffle back and and hold still and not get bulldozed over. That was a a lot that we saw uh, with with Carl Long when he was just not able to to complete his duties uh, in that position. And and so you see uh, Kinley who has a, a some really good uh, uh, pop on his hands, um, and he, and he just just provides that anchor that, that they need. And I would love to see that anchor on the right side for Tabiski, so uh, he can he, he can move around uh, in the pocket. Somebody that's going to push uh, push off like like they sh- they should. And he even has this. Um, uh, works really well laterally. Uh, he works across the face of the defenders um, in every situation, and he's got a ton of mass below the waist. He is like huge uh, in 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 holding his ground. That's what makes him such a great anchor because he he holds his gravity low. So he that's why he reminds me of a boxer wrestler because he holds that, that position low. Um, the only thing is that. Um, he he can he can add some mobility and I'm hoping that they'll work with him in in uh in that in that case um because of his size uh he's pretty functional but he can be um uh a, a little leaner in his frame I th- I think you know you don't want him to be too big to where he can't handle um uh being able to to run and block if he needs to we saw that if you remember Michael the first year um with um when we had that really good season uh, uh how Cody Whitehair just uh, he was running alongside Trubisky and giving him room and to be able to see our offensive line and do the same thing for Trubisky and give him time give our running backs that open lane what what they need to I think 
uh, that would be a, a plus here. But I, I really like this kid, and I would love to see the Bears take him uh, to help with the offensive line. Well, we definitely need help on the offensive line, that's for sure, because uh, um, I am seriously, you know, my mindset is Trubisky lost confidence because he had no time to throw. Uh, I, I know that there are people out there that have are disagreeing with me, but look at what he did last year when he had time to throw versus you can you can start right back with the at game one against Green Bay when he got sacked five times. Uh, even his best game of the year against Washington on Monday night, uh, he threw an interception in the red zone and everybody was just bitching about that. But if you go back and look at the replay, how long was in his lap? Yeah, I mean it was it was a two-step drop, and he was throwing the ball out to the flat. I think it was to Allen Robinson, and he had no time to throw, and he he threw a bad pass. Um, yeah, everybody's gonna come back at me and say, well, you know, even when he had time, he overthrew receivers. He did. Aaron Rodgers did too. You know, and I'm not comparing Trubisky to Aaron Rodgers by any stretch of the imagination, but right. every single quarterback in the league doesn't throw perfect passes every single time. So, uh, you know, and with the with the new coaching staff that we've got, um, I, I think we're going to see if we have an offensive line that can that can just be graders and open up some holes for the the running back and do some pass protection for Trubisky, I think you're going to see a big difference. Before we get to, to the next player, there was an interesting, on NFL Network, Kyle Long was actually interviewed uh, this afternoon, and when they asked him about Trubisky, he said, what the Bears need is they need a running back, a stud running back, to, to just get the power yards and, and, and follow blockers. You know, he says, we, he said, we've got the scat backs. We've got David Montgomery. We've got Tariq Cohen. We need a stud running back to get those tough yards. They brought up Jordan Howard and Jordan. And he basically looked at him straight in the eye and said, Jordan Howard's not on the team anymore. We have to move on, but we need a stud running back that will complement Trubisky's passing game. And he couldn't have been more right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, now, granted, uh, you know, we haven't really gotten to see Montgomery do what he could do. Uh, um, uh, with the potential, give him some open lanes. It would be interesting to see how these running backs that we have on the roster, how, the, how well they do if you give them that opportunity. You know, give them the open lanes. Give them a chance to get through. I mean, to, to watch the games that we watched last year and some of these running backs that got such ridiculous open lanes was, you know, help from the offensive line, they were able to take off. And these weren't speedster running backs. They were still able to take off. Imagine what we could do if we could get that same type of help up front. Absolutely. Another thing that could help complement uh, Trubisky, it, not only the running game and wide receivers, but you know, a, a source of of a, a huge source of, of angst for all Bear fans last year 
which was exactly the opposite from 19 when we had good play out of the tight end position. So we, the Bears earlier today addressed part of that problem. Uh, I think they still need some additional help there. Uh, and our next player is uh, exactly that, another Notre Dame fighting Irishman that Wanda st- wants to talk about. Uh, six foot five, 250-pound Cole Komet, 43 receptions last year for 515 yards, six touchdowns. Why do you think Cole Komet would be a, a good addition to the Bears? Oh, Cole Komet, the way that he... He he reminds me a lot of Zach Miller, and that's why I just I'm just like nuts over this um, you know this uh, tight end. Um, he really has like uh, a great running power up up the field, great catch radius. Uh, you know he and and just watching how he would be able to. Ian Book as the quarterback for Notre Dame when he tried to squeeze a play in, Komet uh, was right there, able to grab it up, up in the air, hauls it in. He fits in the same scheme in my eyes, same scheme as as uh, George Kittle. So I, I really like Komet, and I think he, you know, if, if they got a chance to just go for it, and he was still on the board, they should take him. Uh, being that, um, you know, if you look at the, if you look. Look at the um, uh, tight ends that have come out of Notre Dame. They've been pretty successful. Kyle Rudolph for the for the Vikings, pretty successful, and he was from Notre Dame. So I think just to see uh, that type of uh, player uh, there, I think it would be um, uh, an asset for the Bears if if they were able to grab him. There's another kid that plays here in the Midwest that I particularly like, but you think he'll be off the board uh, by the time the Bears draft in the second round, and that's Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Six, he's, he's similar, six foot five. He's 245. He had 61 receptions for 830 yards and seven touchdown passes. Um, I think um, you know, who do you, if the Bears had both players available. <laughs> Putting you on the yeah. spot here. Um, who do you take? You know, you have to, you always have to take the best player on the board. I learned this the hard way playing fantasy football this year. Um, so I would, I would take Hopkins. Um, if, if he, if it was between the two, um, I would take Hopkins. But if they're looking at the need, if they're looking at the need of where they're going, they can wait, go down, you know, because they've got two picks in the second round. So then they can grab for the need that they're going for and then grab commit if he's still on the board. But if, if they're going to go for best player on the board, they'd have to grab Hopkins. We talked a little bit about uh, George Kittle right there. And when you take a look at, at bodies, You've got both these kids at 6'5". They're right around 245, 250. Uh, and Kittle is right there. He's 6'4", 249. So, I mean, these are all similar type bodies, all playing the, the same pos- position, and all three will be in the NFL come uh, 2020. The third in a trio of tight ends that we've been looking at is a, a kid out of Portland State. And... 
I can't even pronounce his name, Wanda. So it's it's he's six foot three, two hundred and forty five pounds, uh, thirty six grabs in nineteen four hundred and seventy four yards, only two touchdown passes, and he is Charlie. I, I want to say it's Tamal Powell. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you say his last name. I'm, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably butchering it, unfortunately. Um, but he's a he's a. Hang on one second. My dog's going after something. Hold on. <laughs> and well, we we are recording live, folks. So uh, it, it it happens. We're not in a studio. Okay. So, anyways, um, with um, with him, he's he's a really good, versatile, athletic tight end. Um, he's got a great football IQ. He's really um, uh, just a vertical player, flexes out really well. And in the backfield as an H uh, in the run game, I think is, is uh, something I heard Nagy mention. So, you know, he's not um, – he's pretty strong, though, uh, in the whole point. So he's, he needs uh, – he, he's great in the passing game – where he has uh, more of the true value. So looking to see in this tight end game of where they have, you know, passing tight ends, uh, I think he, he's just, he would be perfect for that position if they're looking to, to alternate. So, you know, grabbing a tight end, as they did last season, you saw a Horstead in there, um, you know, putting him in to, to run up the field and, and get some yardage. Uh, I really like this kid. I think he's, um, uh, you know, at six two. I, uh, I, I think he's got the uh, the potential. Now he doesn't have ideal size because um, obviously with a tight end you kind of want a little bit, high, you know, taller than six two. But he's definitely uh, has the skill set that that the NFL is looking at today because he, he really is. And now he's not he's not he's not ideal for that three down. Uh, tight end, but he should be mainly used as a in in the passing situations um, and and a flex out in the F or H position. You mentioned uh, Jesper Horstead, and you know he's at he's right there almost. He's a little bit shorter at six three two thirty seven. Uh, I like the kid. I, I liked him in 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 the preseason. I liked what he was yeah. able to show when he played later on in the year. Um, but you know, as we all know, uh, was too little, too late for the for tight ends in the Bears' offense. They just had a deplorable season uh, from the oh, from yeah. the tight end group. So, um, is there uh, are there any other players at the combine you uh, you want to keep an eye on? Well, um, I'm not. Yeah. Well, there's 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 several players um, that you know looking at. I know the big question is, you know, everybody's thinking, okay, what about the quarterback? Should they, should they be looking at a quarterback at this at this combine? It doesn't it doesn't hurt um, to look at a quarterback. Um, not looking to replace Trubisky, but you know, at, at this point, you kind of never know. And if you're a team looking to win, and you've got someone that is is going to be a good backup, you just don't know how things work. Um, you know, that's, that's a possibility. I, I think it's, I don't think it's worth getting a quarterback that is another project 
um, when you have one that you can still work with and and see what he does, and then get a veteran, uh, someone else other than um, uh, Daniel, and someone that can just be uh, plug in if he needs to, and um, you know do a better job, obviously in in winning games uh, going forward. So I I can't uh, right now. Those are the ones that kind of stood out the most to me. Uh, nothing that's kind of um, except for possibly always looking at running backs and wide receivers because they got a few. But we have wide receivers. I want to badly see what Riley really can do. Uh, we had him. We didn't get to play him very much. So, that it, you know, it would be interesting to see what he does. But a running back, you know, we can always use you know, a more running backs and see if we got we can get a, a, uh, a power guy kind of a little bit bigger than Montgomery that can actually uh, shoot down the field. Absolutely. Yeah, before we, we go on to uh, the XFL and the, and the players that have kind of made a name for themselves after the first two weeks, I wanted to, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, so I apologize. But what I wanted to get your opinion on the addition of Bill Lazor and Filippo for the coaching staff and how he they are in particular going to help Trubisky. Well, I believe that Lazor had stated that he – um, he was going to focus on uh, on Trubisky. Uh, he was going to really like look at uh, what um, you know what he's going to be working on uh, in in his footwork, uh, in his timing, and um, you know I think I think he's going to be a better coach in outside of what Nagy was expecting. Um, it would be kind of, you know, being that he was a offensive coordinator, what he could, what he could do in, in uh, calling out some plays, but obviously he's not going to do that. Uh, with um, several quarterbacks. And, and I think, you know, I, I believe he, had some input, um, you know, with uh, uh, Nick Foles, I think, and Ryan Tannehill. Um, so some of these guys that you see that are out there, uh, if if they were able to pick up something off of what Laser can can bring about, I think he's he's got the potential to to get Trubisky where he needs to be, and and I'm hoping that is going to be a huge asset and a huge change. Uh, because obviously Trubisky needs some something else. He needs he needs Nagy kind of out of the way and someone else that's focused on just his mechanics to get him to especially accuracy is the big deal. And I believe that was what Laser had said in an interview. He wanted to really hone in on the accuracy part because that's kind of what started Trubisky. Um, uh, that was his his. Uh, uh, his card, I guess you want to want to say, when he was in college, was his accuracy. And then as he got into the NFL, it was either too fast or he was wasn't just getting it. So you saw how many times he threw the ball over their heads or too short, and and then he's working on it. Now he can work on that uh, pinpoint accuracy and see if he can get that ball anticipated to the receivers down the field. Absolutely. You know, and then DeFilippo, you know, he was with Jacksonville, but he was with Minnesota uh, in 18. 
and he was with Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, so he's got pedigree, which yeah. is good. It's, it's definitely good to see. So uh, hopefully that will just be positive things. You know, when we talked about quarterbacks a little bit, you know, one of the things that it, I, I was on the, I was, uh, we had Lester Wolfong from, from the Witty City Gridiron on a couple weeks ago. And we, you can literally look at Twitter and see a case made for the Bears to sign every single free agent quarterback that was out there from Brian Tannehill to Tom Brady. And it's, it's just laughable. However, I would say this, if, if there were two guys and all those lists and you, well, Breeze is gone now because he just said he's going to resign with the, uh, with the Saints, uh, and I don't have the list in front of me, but it's long and it's, it's a pretty distinguished list. But I think that, that of the, the guys that are on there, the two guys that would interest me most to come in to, to be the backup and to help tutor Trubisky along with the, the laser and DeFilippo would be Bridgewater, Tannehill. I'm right on, I'm right on spot with you there. Um, Bridgewater is one of the guys that I was pushing for. I think um, he's come a long way to see how well he played uh, with Breeze out. Um, he was spot on. His accuracy is very well, very good, you know, and, and moves around the pocket like he should. I, I, I think he's kind of said goodbye uh-huh. To uh, running the ball as he did because he he wound up getting uh, too many concussions when he did it with uh, Minnesota, but he's, and, a, he's an excellent player. And of course, he had that devastating knee injury during oh, practice. Oh right, yeah, yeah. It all he almost it was a lot like uh, Zach Miller's injury, not not to the extent of Zach's, but they were concerned that that he, they might not be able to save his leg. That's uh, that's how severe that injury was when he was at, and it was a practice non-contract, non-contact injury yeah. uh, that that dropped Teddy Bridgewater, and and this guy was he had all the press clippings. You know, he came to Minnesota, and I was excited for him because I thought he was a hell of a quarterback. He could have been what Mahomes what is now, right? Three or four years ago. Yep. Yeah. So. Our last segment with Wanda, we're going to talk a little bit about the XFL, not not so much the XFL in, in terms of, you know, the, the league, although it's been a fun couple of weeks to watch uh, with some fun and innovative rule changes. Uh, the ones that I like the best are the kickoff rules. The first rule is, you know, the, where they, they line up, the, the kicking team lines up at the 30-yard line in the receiver's territory and in the receiving team, 10 guys line up five yards closer to the goal line at the 25 and the, the kicker has to kick the ball past the 20 yard line. The, the, they can't run the, the neither teams along the line can't move until the receiver catches the ball. If the ball doesn't make it to the 20 yard line or goes out of bounds, uh, in the field of play, the, the the opposing team gets the ball at the 45-yard line on the other side of midfield. So uh, on the re- on the kicking team's 45-yard line, 
you still have the old-fashioned onside kick rules, but you have to declare it before uh, before you kick, so there's no surprises. And then the the, uh, the the other two rules I like are the extra point rules, where there is no kicking, but you get the ball at the two, and you have to convert for a one point or at the five to convert for a two-point conversion, or you can opt to take the ball at the 10-yard line and if you convert, you get three points. So you have a potential of a nine-point scoring play. Uh, and then the last thing that I thought was uh, really innovative was all of the skilled position players on offense have headsets. So they hear the play call directly from the coach. Speeds up the game. All they have to do is convey what the line call is to the offensive line in the huddle. Or if they're doing a, you know, if they're doing a hurry-up offense, you call it out as you're coming up to the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think they're exciting rules. I kind of like all of them. I like them too. I, I especially like the the uh, uh, the extra point uh, rules. I, I I watch those and I and and quite a few of those teams will go for two or three, uh, just trying to to catch up. And a lot of of the teams caught it up uh, playing it that way. Um, what I uh, and I do like the the sky judge. I'm 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 a huge advocate for the sky judge, in uh, being able to where they they see it, they see the play, they see the penalty, they call it, and and they they've got the screens all over. They look at it, and then boom, out, and it's done, and game continues. So one of my favorite things. When you talk about the uh, the sky judge, the the best part about converting that into the NFL is the NFL has far more cameras. You know, the the XFL doesn't have as many cameras on the field as the NFL does. So it would be even better, I think. So I can't, I can't disagree with you. I think that's an exciting rule change as well. That leads us to a couple of players that have really kind of opened a lot of people's eyes early on. Um, one kid uh, goes by the name of P.J. Walker. He was a Temple quarterback in, in 2016. He was undrafted. He got signed by the Colts. He ended up on their practice squad in 2017 and 2018, did not make their team in 2019, and they signed this year, of course, with the Houston Roughnecks and proceeded to throw for like a million yards and 18 touchdowns in his first two weeks. Uh, what, what did you think about P.J. Walker's experience? You know, aside from his, he's he's Russell Wilson-esque at five foot eleven, you know, but he's two hundred and sixteen pounds, and and he's been a hell of a player. Yeah, he's he's done very well. Um, really moves in in the pocket very well and uses his legs uh, when he needs to. He should, he's he's uh, uh, very quick. Uh, in getting the ball out. So uh, I, I think he's been a great surprise um, uh, for the team. And uh, I think uh, teams will definitely be looking at uh, as they continue, as he continues playing. But I think uh, he was a huge surprise uh, for for the teams in the XFL. Then there's another kid, I believe he plays for Los Angeles. He's a wide receiver by the name of Nelson Spruce that has really caught your eye as well. Yeah, he's, he's a really good uh, player. Uh, I was telling you earlier, he reminds me a lot of uh, Jordy Nelson. He's kind of got that, that uh, vibe, uh, gets out there, a, a huge ball hawk, 
gets the ball um, uh, down the field, very dependable, and uh, and uh, kicks himself when he when he misses um, uh, the ball. But when he he gets it and connects, he reaches, he he launches himself. Very very good uh, receiver. Um, uh, I think one of the top receivers in that league right now. Yeah, he actually uh, was on the Los Angeles Rams roster in in 2016. He had uh, six touchdown or six receptions for 51 yards in a preseason game and against the Dallas Cowboys scored a touchdown, uh, but he suffered a knee injury on the game winning play was out for the remainder of the preseason. Uh, he made the, the Rams regular season roster, but the, he ended up on the inactive list all year. Uh, he suffered a, a calf injury and placed on injury reserve in, in November of 16. Uh, he stayed with the Rams through the off-season program, uh, but uh, you know he never he never made the, the the active roster. He was waived, injured by the Rams, and placed on injured reserve, and was released by the team following an injury state uh, settlement uh, in uh, in September of 2017. So he's got NFL talent. Um, he actually was on the Bears practice squad. Uh, October of, of 17, and uh, he was signed by the Kansas City Chiefs, but he was waived. Uh, he was signed on March 30th in 2018, but he was waived on May 8th. And he was also uh, uh, had a cup of tea with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, he was signed on May 14th of 2018, but he was waived on September 1st before the regular season began. So he's his name's been around. Uh, six foot one. He's not. Uh, he's not a speed merchant by any stretch of the imagination. But he's. He's six one. He's two oh six. But he runs a four six nine forty. So he's not. Uh, you know. He's. He's not. You know. He's not the guy that's going to stretch the field by any stretch of the imagination. But if he's. You know. If he's quick on his uh, off the line of scrimmage and quick to make some cuts, he can get open. Uh, you know, you know, in that Jordy, Jordy Nelson mode, that, uh, you know, Wesley Welker mode. Uh, so you never know. So a couple of, couple of XFL players to keep your eye on uh, that might make an NFL roster come, come this summer. Uh, yeah, you know, it was funny. Is, is, uh, the, the game that the Wildcats played against the Roughnecks this past week, even though the Wildcats lost, um, Spruce was targeted 15 times, had 103 yards in that game. So it's it's he, he's uh, he has the potential to uh, to be that that uh, lead wide receiver, and he is for the Wildcats for sure. So if they continue to try to build some type of momentum and get At quarterback situation, uh, you know he can he can push his numbers and definitely be uh, over a hundred plus yards a game uh, if they play their cards right. Absolutely, I think that uh, you know another positive sign uh, about this this new league is there's fans in the seats. You know, there's you know they're they're not sold out, but there's there's butts in the seats and they're passionate and they're having a great time watching these these games uh they're all for for pretty much in in good uh good weather 
uh, even though there's teams in New York and in Washington. But, you know, you've got Dallas, you've got Los Angeles, you've got Houston, uh, you've got Orlando. There's a team up in Seattle, but, you know, Seattle is, is a coastal region. They don't get the, the Midwest cold like we do, where it's uh, you know, 15 degrees as I speak right now. But uh, it's fun to see this little fledgling league get off to a pretty decent start after two weeks. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, they've, like I said, they were, um, you know, they're starting to gel. Uh, the teams are still trying to figure out, you know, the quarterbacks are still trying to get a rhythm going with their their receivers um, and their offensive line. The defenses have been pretty good on on a lot of these teams. There's There's been some pretty um, solid defenses because, a lot of these teams aren't scoring in the first half. And in the second half, they seem to, to make adjustments, and then, uh, then you start seeing some action. Absolutely. The NFL draft comes up uh, April 23rd through the 25th. Are you going to be in Las Vegas? Oh, gosh, I wish. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, that be fun? <laughs> so, so apparently the, uh, the stage is going to be in the big pool where the huge dancing waters fountain in front of the Bellagio is, and the draft choices, the, the the draftees as they get selected, are going to be brought to the stage by a boat. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see. <laughs> that is very Vegas. It it is. I, I stayed at the Bellagio uh, this past summer for for a couple of days, and you know to see that that those dancing. Uh, the 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 fountain the way they have it all computerized and it, it was actually something to see so uh, uh, I don't they obviously can't have the fountains on with the stage in the middle of the water but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, wouldn't that be interesting if they accidentally went off <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be <laughs> oh Roger sorry we soaked you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Wanda, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on Halitech Hall. I hope you uh, come back uh, with not uh, such a long time off between between visits. Yeah, anytime. You just uh, give me a call, Michael, and I would. Uh, it would be more of a pleasure just being able to just talk football with you. Anytime. We should just just be even if we're not recording. We should just uh, sit back and chat about football. We could talk for hours. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, Wanda, tell us where you can, where our listeners can find you before we let you go. Well, you can just always find me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is WandaW63. I'm always talking about football, uh, just things that come up uh, in regards to either the XFL, the NFL, or college ball, any one of those. Uh, sometimes it, when it comes to baseball season, I'm even talking about the Cubs, so... Uh, you can find me there. I love having the conversations when it comes to it. And uh, I look forward to hearing from some of you. Hey, you should come to Chicago. I, I know a good ticket site that can get you some tickets uh, on me. We'll, we'll take you to a ball game. Oh, sounds great. Love so, it. But, uh, you know, don't tell your husband. No, in fact, bring your <laughs> husband. Bring, bring your husband. I want to meet him. I didn't get a chance. You guys were in town last year, I believe, but yeah, we, we yeah. didn't, uh, your schedule didn't prohibit uh, or didn't uh, allow for us to, uh, to, to get together. Would, uh, would love to meet you and your husband sometime. Sounds great. We'll plan so on it. That's, that's Wanda. It's Weidman, right? Weidman. 
It's Weidman. Yeah, I've been saying yeah. Weidman for two years. <laughs> Wanda Weidman from Arthur Football. Uh, we will be back after a message from TickSplits.com to close out the show. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TixSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TixSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thank you, TickSplits. We appreciate uh, you guys. If you would all go to TickSplits.com, put in a special promo code, uh, TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. It's all caps, all one word. You'll save 5% on all your purchases at TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. That wraps up this anniversary, this version of uh, this episode of Halitech Hall. Uh, this is your co-host, Michael Halitech, uh, hoping that uh, Aaron will be back with us next week. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.